a little upset. I had planned on singing that song as my first solo. And uh, I've been practicing in the car with the group. And uh, it sounded very good. I'll mark that one off. All right. Uh, if you would, take your Bibles and open up to Acts chapter 13. I got four different passages to the book of Acts that I want to look at. And uh, tried to, uh, when preacher asked me uh, about preaching this morning, I, I already had been working on a message not knowing what it was for. And uh, so it was fortuitous. Uh, God had already put on my heart uh, for this morning what he wanted me to share. And uh, so I want to look at a few things uh, this morning. I trust that you had a good Thanksgiving. Uh, I, I thought this was a funny little story that would go along with Thanksgiving before we get started here this morning. It says, a teacher asked his little boy a question in class. Suppose your mother baked a pie and there were seven of you, your parents and five children. What part of the pie would you get? Trying to help him with fractions. The little boy replied, a sixth of the pie. And the teacher said, I'm sorry, that's wrong. You're not getting your fractions right. Remember, there are seven of you. The little boy said, well, yes, teacher, but you don't know my mother. Mother would say she didn't want any pie and then eat daddy's. So, it was funnier when I read it. Probably because it, never mind. Acts chapter 13, and we'll look in verse number 50. Acts chapter 13, verse number 50. But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable men, uh, honorable women, and the chief men of the city, and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and expelled them out of their coast. But they shook off the dust of their feet against them, and came unto Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. And then look with me in Acts chapter 14, if you would, verse number 8. And we're going to read uh, 8 through 12. And it says, There sat uh, a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him, perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of the Laconia, The gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. And they called, Paul, or called Barnabas Jupiter and Paul Mercurius, because he was the chief speaker. Then look with me at verse number 19. It says, And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium, who persuaded the people, having stoned Paul, and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he'd been dead. Howbeit his disciples stood around about him. He rose up and came into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. And look with me in Acts chapter 16, if you would. Acts chapter 16, just kind of walking our way through some passages here in Acts to kind of lay the groundwork. Acts chapter 16, verse number 18, the Bible tells us, and this she did many days. It's talking about a young lady who followed Paul and Silas, uh, calling them the, the men, uh, servants of the Most High God. It says, but Paul being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the market place unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrates saying these men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive neither to observe being Romans and the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them and when they had laid many stripes upon them they cast them into the into prison charging the jailer to keep them safely who having received such a charge thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks 
And then verse number 25, And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And then look with me in Acts chapter 28, if you would. Acts chapter 28, and this is where we'll kind of jump off from here and get into the message. But Acts chapter 28 and verse number 1. The Word of God tells us, and when they were escaped, this is talking about Paul, and as he is on his way to Rome here, he's been shipwrecked. And it says, when they were escaped, they, they landed upon this island. It says, they knew that the island was called Melita. And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness, for they kindled a fire and received us, everyone, because of the present rain and because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom yet though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Howbeit they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly, but after they had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a God. Verse number five is where we'll find kind of the text for the message. It says, And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. And I just want to, God's been working in my heart, uh, doing some different things as I've been studying and, and reading. And, and just uh, as I was coming through this chapter and reading this particular passage. And there, I've, I've heard sermons preached on this. I've heard lots of sermons preached on this. But as I was looking at it, it, it kind of struck me and that Paul, all these things happened to him. But from each one, he stood up, he rose up, he shook it off, and he went on. And, and the, the, the premise of my message this morning, the title, if, if you want, is why you got to shake it off. Why? Amen. We know how. We know it's through the power of God. We know it's through the Word of God. We know it's through the Holy Spirit. But why? Why do we got to do it? And so three points this morning, uh, just very simple. I'll try to get us out before the Methodists across the street get out and beat you to the buffet. And we'll try to accomplish that. But let's pray and then uh, just uh, look at a few things real quick and pray that God helps us this morning. Father, we just come to you and Lord, we pray that you'd be with us. Lord, I pray you take this message, Father, and use as you would see fit. Lord, move me out of the way, I pray. Just allow me to say that which would be necessary, that you would want said, and nothing more. And we'll thank you for that. Uh, just bless this time together in Jesus' name. Amen. And uh, in, in reading this, you know, Paul reacted way differently than I would have had a snake fastened on me. Uh, Titus and I, we've gone into the woods a couple times through the summer, uh, towards the end of summer, trying to get ready for hunting season. And both times, both times, he stepped on a snake. Now, if you've ever seen a Baptist guy dance, <laughs> if you've never seen a Baptist guy, you, because we both started to dance, and in the most uh, Christian-like way, of course. And the, the nice thing, now, you know, down south where I'm from, when, when we would go into the woods, you had to worry about snakes like this that were venomous. 
Now up here you got the one rattlesnake that lives somewhere up north. Everybody lives up north, I think. Uh, and, uh, it li but down around here you don't, but, but a snake is a snake. Is a snake. And the only good snake is a dead snake. And I don't even like those kind of snakes. And so, you know, we'd be walking and, and, and invariably, evidently I just didn't see it. I stepped over it because normally I'm walking ahead or whatever. And all of a sudden I turn around, he's doing his dance, I start doing my dance. And eventually we kill that snake. And so well, that snake, I don't care what that snake eats. I can deal with mice. I can deal with uh, moles. I can deal with whatever. But a dead snake, I just want to see that lying there motionless. So snake. I mean, Paul, he got bit by this snake. And the first thing I, I want you to understand is you got to get by it. You got to shake it off for yourself. For yourself. Why? Because you're going to get bit. You're going to get bit. We live in a world, the Bible says, that hates us. We live in a world where the, the Word of God says that Satan has roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. There's going to come a time, there's going to come something in our life that's going to bite us, that's going to hurt us, and we're going to have to shake it off. We're going to have to get over it. We're going to have to, to, to rise up as Paul did. They, it says they stoned him. And while everybody's standing around thinking, what are we going to do? He rose up. He got up. Now, if me and Titus were standing there and looking at that dead snake and it rose up, you'd hear a bad boy scream. <laughs> but Paul, he shook it off. He rose up. Why? Because there, there's going to be things come that are going to bite us, that are going to hurt us, that are going to come into our lives. We cannot help it. Why? Because we're living. Because we're working for God. Every time you look at Paul, in, in these four passages that we looked at, he's doing something for God. And he gets bit. He gets hurt. He gets stoned. He gets thrown into jail. And yet we see him thrown into jail. What does he do? He's singing praises at midnight. He gets stoned. What does he do? He rises up and goes back into the city. He gets bit by a snake. What does he do? He shakes it off. Why do you got to shake it off? Because you've got to shake it off for yourself. And the second point we're going to see here in just a minute is because you've got to shake it off for others. But you're going to get bit. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 12, it says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Not maybe, not might, not could be. Or not, but he says, if you're going to live godly, if you're going to live godly, you're going to suffer persecution. Now, I guess you get around being bit by just saying, well, I ain't going to live godly. But then you're not going to get blessed either. So you're going to have to weigh those two out. But he says here, hey, you're going to suffer persecution. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 12, it says, Wherefore, let him that thingeth he standeth take heed, lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you. He doesn't say there's no temptation that might take you or could take you, but he says there's no temptation that has taken you. It's going to come into your life. There's none of us that can stand and say this morning that we have never gone through some temptation in our life. Why? Because it comes on a daily basis. You walk into the mall, there's temptation. You walk into Myers, there's temptation. You walk into Cold Stone Creamery, there's a thing full of temptation. <laughs> Oreo cream, ice cream with Oreos. I mean, come on. Temptation is going to come. 
We are going to get bit. You can mark it down. But it's going to be, how are we going to respond? Are we going to shake it off? Are we going to rise back up? Are we going to sing praises to God at midnight? What are we going to do? How are we going to do it? Are we going to do it? Why? Because you could get beat. You could give up. Demas, it says three times, Demas is mentioned in the Word of God. But the only time that we really remember is what? Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. What happened? He got bit. He got bit by the world. He got bit by uh, his lust, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. He, he got bit, and he got beat. Why? Because he didn't shake it off. And so what is forever remembered, forever recorded, forever known about Demas? That he hath forsaken. He hath forsaken. That was his personal testimony recorded in Scripture. Why do you got to shake it off? For your own self. For your testimony. For your Christian testimony to those that are around you. In 1 Peter chapter 5, we mentioned this, but it talks about our adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walked about seeking whom he may devour. What that connotation means to me is it means he's going to devour some. There are going to be some that are going to get eaten. That they're going to have their testimonies ruined. They're going to have their reputation ruined. They're, they're, they're never going to be able to serve God in the way that they could have served God because why? They didn't shake it off when they got bit. For Second uh, Peter chapter three, it says, uh, "Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, we know they're coming. Before they come, that temptation is coming." He says, "Beware, lest ye also," which denotes that there have been people that knew, that were warned, and yet they fell. What? Because he goes on, he says, "Beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error." Of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. That words it means firm condition. But then he falls up, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. He says, Hey, listen, you, you know these things. We know the word of God. We know the temptations come. We know that Satan is roaring lion walked about seeing him made die. We know these things, but beware lest you fall from your own steadfastness. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman is not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Why? We need to do that so that we don't fall from the steadfastness, that firm condition that we have in our faith when we get bit. You could get beat or you could get beyond it. You know, the thing I find interesting about this is Paul says, as this is happening, he's just gathering sticks. He's just doing what's right. He's trying to help other people. He's building a fire. They just come out of the ocean. They just were shipwrecked. They just, you know, had their lives uh, hazarded. And, and, and now he's just trying to do what, what, what would be kind to others. And what happens? He gets bit. And yet Paul is decisive in his act. You know, when Titus and I were walking through it, I don't, I, I, I start stomping that snake. Because I'm not scared because he's only this big. And I know he's not poisonous. So I stomp it, I kill it, and then we go on. Decisive action. Paul here, he, he decides, decides, he just, 
shakes it off into what? Into the fire. Into the fire. Now, I want to encourage you. When, when, when you get bit by something and, and you're trying to get over it, you're, 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 you're shaking it off, you're trying to get around it, get rid of it all the way. He didn't take it and lay it down for somebody else to get bit. He didn't take it and just throw it back into the woods for it to come back out. He took it and shook it into the fire. And what does fire do to snakes? It kills them. Deep fried viper. You know, there are various sundry things in this world that we can get bit with. Whether it be the wrong kind of uh, reading, the wrong kind of music, the wrong kind of dress, whatever it is. When you have something in your life, when I have something in my life, I have learned if I'm going to overcome it, if I'm going to shake it off completely, I'm going to have to get rid of it. Because if I tell myself, you're not eating no more ice cream, and I leave a tub of ice cream in the freezer, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to eat some more ice cream. I always tell myself, let's just go ahead and finish it. That way it's gone. That don't make it right. But we got, he, he didn't just, oh, I'm sorry, okay, well, let me, okay, I'll put you down. No, he shook it into the fire, signifying destruction of that which bit him. Let me tell you, if you're willing to shake it off, y'all be willing enough to hate it enough to get rid of it. When I had problems with music growing up, when God got a hold of my heart and I got rid of that, you know what I did? I got rid of it. Completely. Deleted the presets on my radio. De- burned the CDs and tapes. <laughs> Why? Because I wanted it gone. Why? Because it was affecting my walk with God. So he didn't just shake it off and be gentle with it. He shook it off into the one area that it could be destroyed, into the fire. And you know what he did with that? It didn't hurt anybody else. Nobody else is going to get bit by that snake. There wasn't a thing in his life going to escape his life and go to somebody else's. And so we see, first point here, you got to shake it off for yourself. You've got to be personal about it. It is your personal relationship with Jesus Christ is at stake. Same thing I see here is you've got to shake it off for your witnesses. In uh, verse number 2, it says, The barbarous people showed us no little kindness, for they kindled a fire and received us, everyone, because of the present cold. And then as you go on through there, it says, The barbarians saw that venomous beast. When Paul was stoned, what was happening? There was people standing around him looking at him. When he was in the prison, what was happening? The prisoners heard what was going on in that prison cell. Everything that Paul did, somebody was watching. They were watching. Why? Because we're surrounded. They are around us. People are around us, and they are watching our lives to see what kind of Christian we are. They are. When, when you know, it's like preacher, when, when he lived... Just two doors down. Everybody knew that that was the... It's on Google that it's the pastor's house. It's funny, it is. Go look it up. It's an extension. It's the... Was that North Campus of Parkview? But people knew who that was. Why? The, the church van was there. The, the, they, they, they looked different. They acted different. They, you know, 
they, they weren't sitting on the front porch of the building. I mean, you know, all these different things. There was a difference in them that people noticed. Why? Because they live in the midst of people that don't know Jesus Christ. And Paul here, everywhere he went, there was people around him watching him. No man is an island unto himself. Think of Achan. I just read uh, through the, the, the book of uh, Joshua there and, and, and looking at, at Achan as they went into the land. And, and he made a horrible decision, spur of the moment, to take that, that garment, that silver, and that gold. And what happened? It cost his family. Why? Because he got bit. And he didn't shake it off. He's standing there looking at it. And that lust grabbed onto his arm, and he's kind of rolling his hands and thinking and looking and thinking and looking and thinking and picked it up. What did God said? Don't touch it. It's mine. There are people around us. Hebrews, one of the best known verses we know, it says, Wherefore, seeing also we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside, cast off every weight and the sin which just so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set. Before us, Joshua, he said that, that famous verse that we, a lot of us might have in our homes. He says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He was making a statement for those around him to know which way he was going to go. In Acts, you know, Paul says they drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Howbeit his disciples stood round about him. He rose up and came into the city. They were not just around him, but they were assessing him. And the people around you are assessing you. It says in verse number 4 of chapter 28, it says the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, and they said among themselves, no doubt, here's their assessment of him, he, this man, is a murderer, whom though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. You know, the barbarians here were watching, they were assessing, and they passed judgment based on what? On what they saw. On what they saw. I can't see the hearts of people. Only God can see the hearts of people. I have to judge a book by its cover. And that's what these barbarians were doing. And as we have things come into our lives that get a hold of us, people see that and they assess and they wonder, how's he going to deal with this? Well, I thought they said they were a Christian. Well, that doesn't seem like a Christian thing to do. Well, you know, it's, it's like uh, you, you'll see uh, somebody uh, famous and they'll, they'll thank God. You know, they'll, they'll maybe be accepted in the Lord and they'll say, I just want to thank Jesus Christ, my Savior. And I'm like, but the commercial before, you're holding a beer and, 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 and talking about how great it is. This does not compute. And, and, and they, so people see and they assess. And, and when we get bit in our life, people are looking at us. Why? Because they're around us and they're assessing how we're going to react to that thing. And, and they know how we should react. In Acts chapter 14, it says, when the people saw what Paul had done. Uh, in, in Romans chapter 2 and verse 23, I thought this was an interesting verse. He's speaking to the uh, the, 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 the Jews here that got saved says, Thou makest thy boast of the law, though through breaking the law dishonorest thou God for the name of God is blasphemy among the Gentiles through you as it is written. There's a group of Christians there that were not doing right, and he said, Hey, you're bringing blasphemy upon the church because of how you're living and how you're acting. Uh, 
Why? Because they were being assessed by the world. And then uh, in 2 Peter chapter 2, in the very last part of verse number 2, it says, By reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Why? Not by the wicked doing wickedness, but by the saved doing wickedness. Why? Because we get bit. And we allow that temptation to overcome us, to uh, get its way with us. Uh, the third thing I see there is they are affected by us. They are affected by Paul here. It says in the last part of verse number 6, it says they changed their minds. Why? Because he shook off that, that beast. He shook off that viper. He, he got it out of his life. And they were affected by that, and they looked at that, and it changed their mind and say, there's something different about this man. He's not the same as us. In uh, Job, it says, In all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. You know, this was their only encounter with Paul. And it's actually the only time I could find in the Word of God that this island is even mentioned. So Paul had one opportunity, one chance to have an effect on these people. One chance. One opportunity. Uh, th this was going to be it. And guess what? He accomplished it. He shook off that venomous beast. It changed their minds. He was able to go in and, and heal some people and, and have an effect on the entire island. Why? Because he didn't let that beast devour him. So they are affected by the way that we react to what comes in to our lives. Think of the, 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 the jailer there as Paul and Silas were praying and worshiping God at midnight. What did he do? It says he fell down at their feet and asked, what must I do to be saved? Now, if Paul had been sitting there and said, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. I'm serving God. I freed this girl from a, a, a devil in her life. I did all this good. They beat me. They threw me in the prison. They got me in stocks. I'm done. We wouldn't have that where the jailer falls down at his feet. No, why? Because he shook off what had happened to him and he went on for God. So we see, we got to shake it off for ourselves. We got to shake it off for the witnesses around about us. Then the third thing here, and, and some of you are looking at the clock going, oh, whoa, it's 11.20. You got to shake it off for the will of God. You got to shake it off for the will of God. God had told Paul, you must stand before Caesar. You must stand before Caesar. Uh, in in uh, Acts chapter 27, verse 23, it says, For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. Paul had already settled it in his mind, who he belonged to. And, and, and what way he was going to go. He says, saying, Fear not. Fear not, Paul. Thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given uh, thee all them that sail with thee. This is when the ship is being tossed by Eurachlodon, that... that tempest that they were in just prior to this. Paul could look at his life and say, no matter what comes into my life, this is the will of God because I know he's got something for me to do that I have not yet accomplished to stand before Caesar. And so what did he do? He said, okay, I'm going to shake it off and I'm going to go on and continue doing the way he didn't stop. He, he, he didn't allow it to, to even be a road bump in his life. It was personal to him to do the personal will of God for him.
He could only do what God had called him to do, but he could not do it if he did not shake off the things that came into his life that tried to deter him and, and, and get him away from the will of God. There, there are so many things that come into our lives, whether it be financial or physical or, or spiritual, all these things, they come in and they grab a hold of us, trying to turn us from the will of God. And we, church, have to shake it off and go on for God. Why do we got, we, we got people that are depending on us, that are depending on the church. We have 80 some odd missionaries that we support that are depending on this church to shake off what comes at us and to keep them on the field. We got prisoners over in Jackson that are depending on the men from this church coming and preaching to them. And if we don't shake it off, they'll be without a preacher. Nursing home ministry, bus ministry, RU ministry, the junior church, the kids, our families are depending on us to shake it off and follow the will of God. We got to make it personal. It's got to be personal. It's got to be pointed. We got to, you know, a lot, I think a lot of times Christians like to live in generalities for what God wants them to do. Well, God wants me to come to church. I can handle that. You know, Paul had a very pointed will of God. Pointed. Why? Because he spent time with God. Because he wanted to know what God wanted him to do. He said, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. He said, hey, I'm ready to go right now. Let that snake pump its venom into me. Send me on home. I'll enjoy it. But he said, it's better for me to live because of what God has for me to do. We want to live because of what we want to do. I don't want to die yet. There is a big deer out there somewhere that's just waiting on me to find it. It might be another 40 years. But, I, but Paul could say, hey, whatever God wants, I'm fine with. Because eventually, God's will has a period. There's a period at the end of a sentence, a grammatical structure of words. And what does that do? It signifies the end. The end. And in our lives, there is a period. You remember a preacher with the tape measure, measuring? How much more sentence do we have to write till we get to our period? And, and what's going to come into our life that's going to be written therein? Paul had certain things that God was going to have him accomplish before he took him home. In 2 Timothy, I mean, we, we know these verses, for I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Paul said, hey, I'm ready to dot the end of my sentence because I know I've written it according to the will of God. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse number 10 says, Whatsoever the hand finds to do, do it with thy might, for there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave. And then as a very uplifting phrase, he says, Whither thou goest. As Solomon wrote there, he says, Hey, you better do it now because you're headed to a grave. I, I, we're, we're born dying. We're all headed to a grave unless God comes back and raptures us. And, 
So we have this little bit of time here to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish, but we'll never accomplish that great thing for God if we don't shake it off. I think about Joseph as he wrote, or as he spoke in Genesis chapter 50, when his brethren came after his dad died, he said, you know, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. To do what? To save much people alive. Why did Joseph shake off the bitterness, the wrath, the, the anger that, that his brethren uh, pointed towards him? Because he knew the will of God was greater than anything that would bind him. He just had to shake it off. James chapter 4 and verse number 13. The word of God says, Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore to him, I tell my kids this all the time. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not. To him it is sin. So this morning we've thrown out this phrase, this fact, this part of scripture where Paul shook it off. And we've tried to give you some reasons why we got to shake it off. But it's a choice that you'll have to make. You know, in Sunday school this morning, we taught on bitterness. Bitterness, once it bites you, it's hard to get rid of. But you got to shake it off. Maybe there's lust, you got to shake it off. Maybe there's an offense, you got to shake it off. Maybe, maybe there's dissatisfaction with God, you got to shake it off. Maybe whatever it is in your life, you've got to shake it off and go on for God. Or what? Or you'll be devoured. And you'll be a shell of what God wants you to be. Shake it off. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning, dear Heavenly Father, and we just pray that you'd use these simple thoughts, this simple message, dear God, to move in our lives, to help us to get over, dear Heavenly Father, that which might be there that's trying to weigh us down to move us from the place that you'd have us to be, to, to conquer us, dear God, to, to bite us and keep us from your will for our lives. Lord, a lot of people with a lot of problems. But dear God, you have the answer to everyone. There's no temptation taking us, but such as is common to man, you've said. You promised us that you'll make a way of escape. Help us, dear God, to take that escape. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.